Welcome to The Deciding Point, our Cracked Rackets weekly breakdown of the biggest storylines happening throughout the tennis world. This week's episode going to focus on the 2021 Wimbledon, all of us tennis fans turning our attention to the year's third Grand Slam. I want to talk not only about my takeaways from the event, but how those takeaways apply to the broader context of what we've seen over the last 52 weeks in the tennis world. In particular, this episode going to focus on the women's side. And it should be a fantastic home stretch. Barty versus Kerber, Sabalenka versus Pliskova, all setting up for a fantastic final few days at the 2021 Wimbledon. With that in mind, let's talk some WTA tour on this show. Westoff, hit those credits. Let's get rolling. Stop me if you've heard this before, but one of the biggest takeaways coming out of this 2021 Wimbledon, the parity we continue to see on the WTA Tour. You look now after the conclusion of this event, we will have had 12 different semifinalists in the 12 semifinal spots at the year's three Grand Slams on the women's side. Now, perhaps you're thinking, huh, that sounds familiar. Haven't we seen that before? Yes, we have. In fact, it was as recently as 2019 that this exact same thing occurred. You look here in 2021, the only players to have made multiple quarterfinals at the Grand Slam level, Ashley Barty and Karolina Mukova. You look at the 12 players to have made the semifinals. You had, you had, uh, I believe it was Jennifer Brady, Naomi Osaka, Serena Williams, Karolina Mukova in Australia at the French Open. It was Sakari taking on Krejcikova, Zidanezic taking on Pavlochenkova here. It's Barty taking on Kerber and Sabalenka taking on Pliskova. So much variety, right, in those names, in the career arcs of those 12 players. Of course, one name you didn't hear included in that list is the only player to have made it to the fourth round of all three Grand Slams this year on the women's side. That's Iga Sviantek. And all of this speaks to the parity we continue to see right now in the women's game. Again, if I threw you Naomi Osaka, like that, that's your favorite entering the 2021 U.S. Open right? She has earned the right the way she blitzed through the U.S. Open, the Australian Open, to be named a prohibitive favorite on any hardcourt event and at any hardcourt event she plays over these next few seasons until someone, until someone proves us otherwise. But who might prove us otherwise? How about the aforementioned Iga Sviantek? How about a player I haven't discussed, Bianca Andreescu, who certainly, you know, her inexperienced clay courts, grass courts, we knew that coming into this European swing, and that was a good sample size for us. But Coming into New York and coming into the summer hard courts, if she's healthy, we all know the sort of success she can have. Sonia Kennan was a revelation in 2020. She hasn't played her best tennis here in 2021, but if she can refine her form, and then obviously you have the power tennis of Sabalenka clicking on all cylinders. She's finally done it at a Grand Slam. I haven't even mentioned Ashley Barty, your number one player in the world who looks healthy and her has made her run to the semifinals of this Wimbledon look almost routine in how casual her effort has been. And just, again, the Garbine Muguruzas of the world. If Simona Halep gets healthy, what does she have left for us? Pliskovas, and then the Sakaris, the Jabours, the Mertens, the Pagulas, the Keys, the Stevens, the Anisimovas, Yastremskas coming back. I can go on and on and on. There are so many talented women right now 
on the WTA Tour. When you look at the final four we have here, it's so rare, it feels like that we get four of the players who have actually been playing over the best over the entire 52-week span because, again, so many of these players have high ceilings. They just have to catch fire for two weeks to have success at the slams. But Barty, we know her game was always suited for the surface. She's played exceptionally well over these two weeks. Angelique Kerber enters the semifinals on a 10-match winning streak for the fourth time in her career. She won a warm-up event on grass in Bad Hamburg leading up to Wimbledon. She's proved it all through weeks one and two. She's got the goods. She deserves to be in the final four. Arena Sabalenka, when her power tennis is clicking, doesn't matter what surface you're playing on. The results will be there for her into her first semifinal. And Karolina Pliskova, no one was thinking about Pliskova entering this event. Perhaps that is what made her so dangerous and able to swing and hit so freely and now you know at least she's been to a grand slam final you can't say that about Sabalenka and then on the other side of the draw for Barty for Kerber you know it's been a while since they've been on that stage as well so certainly it is leading to a fun stretch and again this parody it's what makes all of these combinations these permutations available to us in the later rounds of these women's singles grand slam events so so exciting and it's just there are 15 to 20 players who on any given week can can emerge as a champion. And some people will criticize that and say there's no single dominant figure, and that's what the sport needs, is a dominant figure for everyone to chase. I disagree, because I think the level of all 15 of these players we have discussed are all really, really good. And I do think three to four of them can stand out above the rest, but... Parody is fun, and it makes things interesting. When you don't know what's going to happen, that beats the alternative. We all knew Djokovic was going to cruise into the semifinals. That's no fun. We didn't know this was how it was going to work out on the women's side, that it did this way. Certainly a blessing for all of us tennis fans. A fun exercise for all of you listeners. Name which of these players are not currently in the WTA Top 20. Is it Kerber? Is it Jabour? Is it Mukova? Is it Goff? Is it Conteve? Is it Pagula? Is it Ostapenko? Or is it Bedosa? All of those players have had so much success. They've made second weeks at Grand Slams, countless quarterfinals, and titles between the group. And yet, the answer to the question, which one of them are not in the WTA Top 20? All of them. Not a single one of the players I listed are currently found inside the WTA Top 20. And it's worth mentioning Part of that is a byproduct of the fact that the ranking system is screwed up right now, that the adjustments we made to uh, ease the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic, of missing all of those events last summer, it didn't exactly work. There's some skewing, some problems, some points defended for certain players, and yet I name all of those players. You know, certainly Jabour in particular, the consistent success. She's winning over 70% of her matches over the last 52 weeks. It's like a 45 and 19 clip. She's won a title, made multiple round of 16s at slams, made multiple quarterfinals at events. The recipe of a top 20 player, and certainly someone like Goff, ditto with all of her resume. And that Conteve has been right on the fringes of that group. Mukova, one of two players with multiple Grand Slam quarterfinals in 2021. And then Jess Pagula has been one of your breakout stars over the last 52 weeks. And yet, here are the fringe cases right now in the top 20 of the WTA rankings. Maybe you say Belinda Bencic just hasn't been consistent enough. That's fair. Maybe you say it's what? Anastasia Pavlchenkova outside of that one French Open final. What has she recently done? But she made a Grand Slam final. Usually that run always going to reward you pretty decently. 
Outside of that, it's two like it's names that are going to get you jumped on. Bianca Andrescu has she played enough to still be in the top twenty compared to a Jabor or you know compared to a Mukova right now? Certainly, her ceiling higher than those players, but has she been consistent enough? Should she be ranked above those players right now? It's tough to answer yes to that question if the ranking is supposed to be a metric of consistency, week in week out performance, not just single upside at an event. You know, outside of that, it's Serena, because same deal. Does she play enough at this point to consistently hold that top 10 ranking? She's made a semifinal here in the 2021 season at a slam, but... Again, the weekend week out, out grind. Goff's got more wins. Conteve's got more wins. Shabur's got more wins. Pagula's got more wins. They've played a tougher level of competition as well, week in, week out at some of these higher level events. And so all of this is to say, and I know I talked about the parody on a different segment, but the top 20 is jammed right now. We have, and I know this is stupid, 45 players, yeah, that's probably a little hyperbolic, but 35 players who could be considered having top 20 rankings. Certainly a solid 25 belong in that group. I think you could make the case that there are some players outside the top 30 as well who are rising up the rankings and may not quite have that top 20 form yet, but are certainly on the fringes of it. Again, Apollo Bedosa, she has been one of the most dominant players through the clay court season and then makes round of 16 here at Wimbledon, and she's not a top 20 player. Like, what more does she need to do to crack into that group? Parity continues to be the name of the game, and it's not just, you know, again, that there's no single dominant force, but I want to continue to emphasize the names I just listed. These are all exceptional players. 17, 18, 19, 20 right now in the rankings. Uh, Mertens, Pavlichenkova, Sakari, Rabakina. You're telling me those players don't belong in the top 20? Like maybe Pavlichenko, and she's the one of those four names I listed with a slam final. So it's not just the fact that there's no single dominant force. If that is, there is this plethora of top 20 talent. The key is finding which one of those top 20 players can hit that next level, that top 10, top five, even number one Grand Slam champion winning ceiling. We still don't have the answer to that question, but the answer to are there enough good tennis players? Is the quality of the sport we're seeing as high as it ever has ever been? I think the answer to that question is an unequivocal yes. There have been so many good stories that emerged from this 2021 Wimbledon, in particular on the women's side. You look at the continued success of someone like Own Jabour. You look at the win streak put together by Angelique Kerber, first-time Grand Slam semifinal for Narina Sabalenka. But one of the perhaps most heartwarming feel-good stories of this ladies' singles event, the return of Karolina Pliskova to the elite levels of women's tennis. You look for her certainly about as ideal of a draw as you could have drawn up. If you would have told her, hey, your round of 16 opponent, it's going to be Ludmilla Samsonova. Your quarterfinal opponent is going to be Victoria Golubic. She would have signed up for that immediately, but you can only show up and play the opponent who shows up across the net from you. That's what Karolina Pliskova has done. She's yet to drop a set on her way to the Grand Slam semifinal, her fourth of her career, first since the Australian Open back in 2019. And you look for Karolina Pliskova over the last 52 weeks. 26 and 17. 
She's only made three quarterfinals. She's made it at Rome twice. She's now made the quarterfinals here at Wimbledon. She made semifinals, by the way, of both of those Rome events. So I suppose she's only made the semifinals three times. Rome twice here at Wimbledon. Her first serve, her first serve win percentage, her second serve win percentage, her hold percentage, her break percentage, they're all about 3% lower than her career averages. And of course, coming into this Wimbledon, one of the big storylines was that Pliskova had dropped out of the top 10 in the rankings for the first time in more than five years. She's been a bastion of consistency, someone who has made a Grand Slam final, someone who has been ranked number one in the world and has won over 10 WTA titles, has won them at high levels, has beaten multiple top 10 players consistently throughout her career, has had a serve that is constantly placed in the top five amongst servers on the WTA tour. But you know, you could see that confidence evaporate. And it's not just, you know, the easy thing to say is, well, she just can't beat Jess Pegula. If she could beat Jess Pegula, some good things would have happened to her this season. Yes, that's true. Pegula has been a particular problem, a thorn in the side. But, you know, she's played a lot of tight matches against the best players. Three set losses against the Sabalenkas of the world, the Halips of the world. And it's just been, you know, again, that lack of confidence. It's, it's hurt her most in the biggest moments, in those tight three set matches. It's also, you know, seven years of Karolina Pliskova, the game plan is out on her. These players know how to attack her. And certainly, you know, again, getting her stretched to the outer third, getting her, uh, getting pace to, uh, against her and attacking the ball when you can so that she can't be dictating from the center of the court. Everyone knows that's how you have to execute against Karolina Pliskova. It's just very hard to do. And particularly on these grass courts, she's so good at going down the line, hitting behind you and just making you uncomfortable, making you lose your footing as an opponent. You also look at, again, the effectiveness of her serve, the effectiveness of her ability to scoop these balls off the baseline almost as half volleys, take them early down the line and have success with that shot. It's absolutely crazy. And yet Karolina Pliskova is able to do it again. You look for her now, certainly you would say semifinals, that's a good result for her. Well, you look at the draw, Arena Sabalenka has never made a Grand Slam final before and the pressures of, of the moment has been something Sabalenka has struggled with in her career. Meanwhile, it feels like Carolina Pliskova, despite being the number eight seed, uh, she's playing with house money and she's back into the top 10 after this result. She'll be at number eight next week. That's, you know, again, her ceiling. It's a reminder to everyone. Hey, you know, when that serve is landing, when that first forehand is landing, her hands, her aggression, really, really special racket talent for Carolina Pliskova and the draw broke perfectly for her. And we talk about, you know, I've talked about the parody, the rankings in the top 20, but when we talk about the lack of a dominant force in that parody, it means there still is a creak in the window. And this was a podcast topic we had earlier in the week, but who was the player who held the belt for most, you know, next likely Grand Slam champion, the player who doesn't have a Grand Slam title under their belt, but is closest to doing so. Carolina Wozniacki held that title forever. When she beat Simona Halep, it felt like it was a metaphor passing of the belt over to Halep. Well, then Halep got it off her chest and it immediately went to Carolina Pliskova. And to be honest, it's probably stood with her ever since. Madison Keys flirted with it certainly a bit as well. But Pliskova's ceiling, her best, was good enough to win a Grand Slam and she could never get over the finish line. And before the Osakas, the Adrescus, the Kennans, the Shiantecs of the world assert themselves as the dominant force in women's tennis, you still have a two-year creek. You know, 2019, 12 different semifinalists. 2021, 12 different semifinalists through the first three Grand Slams of the year. 
Carolina Pliskova can take advantage of that fact. This is the window. This is the opportunity none of us expected, and perhaps that lack of pressure was a blessing for her because it allowed her to play freely, work her way into the tournament. She now has a golden opportunity. Again, we don't know the health of Barty. She withdrew from her last tournament, didn't play for a month between the French Open and Wimbledon. How does she respond this late in the event? How does Sabalenka handle, handle the pressures of the semifinals? Angelique Kerber hasn't been in a slam final in a while. And again, this 10-match win streak kind of came out of nowhere. So it does feel like a pathway for Pliskova to this title exists if she can get it. What a story that would have been. We would have some very fun discussions after this Wimbledon, but more than anything else, with the summer hard courts coming up, surfaces and events that Karolina Pliskova has had a ton of success on in her career, for her to bank this sort of win, bank this sort of confidence, that's a huge factor in the remainder of this 2021 season, and it's something we are all going to have to note as the rest of the year unfolds. One of the players who stole the show at this 2021 Wimbledon and has been one of the breakthrough stars on the WTA Tour since play resumed back in August is 26-year-old Tunisian Own Jabour, who was coming off of her first title of her career entering this 2021 Wimbledon. She backs it up by making the quarterfinals of this event. She knocks out Muguruza in three sets. She knocks out Sviantek in three sets before getting knocked off herself by Arena Sapo. And of course, that was not the ending she was looking for. But you look for Jabour over the last 52 weeks. 45 and 18 overall. That's a 71% win percentage. I mentioned the fact that she won her first title. She's made multiple quarterfinals as well. Round of 16s at both French Opens as well as this Wimbledon. And, you know, again, you look at the losses she's taken at the hardcourt events. She lost, I believe, to Kennan and Osaka, respectfully, at the two hardcourt slams uh, that have been played. Her variety is what makes her so interesting and just incorporating her into the next decade of women's tennis, even if it's, or the next five years, perhaps, that window is so fascinating because she does a little bit of everything to throw you off your game. Even if you're a power tennis player, her ability to throw junk at you, the slices, the drop shots, the suddenly flat down the line, it doesn't allow you to stay in your rhythm. It doesn't allow you to just swing through freely and just, you know, cross court rallies go cross cross line whenever you deem fit. She breaks the pattern she plays on her terms. There's also just a flair to own Jabour. There's a competitive streak. Her willingness to play a drop shot when she's down 30-40 in her own service game or the, the huevos, the hubris, honestly, that it takes to hit your return of serve as a drop shot when you've got 120, 125 mile per hour bomb coming at you. Onjabir has been super successful, and you look for her 14 and 10 against top 50 opponents, 5 and 6 against top 20, 2 and 5 against top 10. She's in the mix now, and you know she's currently going to be ranked number 22, uh, 23, excuse me, in the WTA rankings coming out of this Wimbledon, which will be a new career high. But that's too low. You look at the advanced metrics; she's part of the top 15 club, a top 15 in both hold and break percentage. It's Sviantek, Muguruza, Sabalenka, and Jabour who qualify in that category. She's top 15 according to Tennis Abstract's overall ELO and their 2021 ELO. She's just the real deal, folks. She is, uh, again, that skill set, it translates across surfaces. I think she's a sneaky good mover as well. And, 
Yes, the second serve is an elite. She doesn't have elite power in every ground stroke that she does, but she can flash it. And she's certainly a plus athlete. No definitive weakness as well. Just throws you off your game. Such a tough competitor. And again, quarterfinal here at Wimbledon. Do I think she is going to, you know, rip off a three grand slam streak? Do I think she even has the ceiling to perhaps win one grand slam? It's tough to say. There are so many players who, like a Sabalenka, have that overwhelming power when they play their best. It's just on their terms. But if you don't play your best, it's going to be a nightmare for you against Onjibor. And there's still some low-hanging fruit. That first serve percentage still below 60%. That's something you can always improve. Improve. And then again, you know, limiting the drop shots in terms of, you know, stay unpredictable, but perhaps not off of the return of serve. Maybe you wait till ball two, ball three in the rally, or maybe you just don't do it with as much frequency. There are little things Jabor can improve on, but the skill set, the athleticism are there. She's dangerous throughout these 2020s. And again, will she have the upside of an Osaka and Andrescu with Sviantec? Probably not, but she could be really good throughout the prime of her career. And it's a fascinating wrinkle to add to the dynamic of the changing of the guard on the WTA Tour.